So I bless God for that. I thank you for the opportunity to be here. We love Jesus and ask you to give the Lord one more praise in it. Come on. I just love Jesus. He's a good God. Woo! And being a fellow Cajun with Brother Rick, he said, man, a lot came out of Baton Rouge, didn't it? Well, Baton Rouge went through a lot, but man, a lot came out of Baton Rouge. It's a good day. So I know I'm in, I know I'm in OU territory. Do you ever say go Tigers from the stage? Very quietly. <laughs> I wore my LSU shirt yesterday to, to eat somewhere. And when I got there, I walked in and the gentleman said, for real? He just looked at me. He said, for real? You gonna wear that here? And I said, shaka. <laughs> Don't get me talking right now. Something about to come on me. So yes, I will. <laughs> It's a good day. It's a good day. Praise the Lord. It's so good to be in the house of God with you. My amazing wife is on the, on the front with me, sweetheart. Thank you so much for being here. My, two, two of my children. My third one you just had here. She wasn't here for a Sunday, but I believe she was here for uh, like a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. My daughter Susie came here to minister to your youth and, and some great things like that. She's back in Africa at the moment. She lives in South Africa, Cape Town. And uh, I believe there's some great stuff in the future You'll be seeing her around some more too. So it's a good day. We love Jesus. Turn with me real quick in your word to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. Thank you so much. The 19th verse. I want to read two passages to you. And I want you to hold, if you would, your finger on the place. If you want to go ahead and find it. 2 Kings chapter 2. So 1 Kings chapter 19 verse 19. Is where I'll start, and then I'm going to jump and go to 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 12. Read this word with me, if you would, in the house today, if I can get to the right one. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19 says, So he, de- <clears throat> so he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him, And he with the twelfth. And Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? Jumping now to 2 Kings, in the second chapter, the twelfth verse says, And Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel, and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes, and he rent them in two pieces. And he took up the mantle also of Elijah that fell from him, that fell from him, and smote the waters, and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had also smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elijah, Elisha went over. Father, we thank you for your word today, for your goodness and mercy, for the grace that you've given us to stand on this pulpit, Lord God, this great pulpit, Lord God, with these great people, Lord God, in this great house. Father, we bless you, Lord Jesus, that we could share your word. We ask you, Father, that we could hide behind the cross, that you would come forward, that you'd be seen, that you'd show yourself great amongst your people. And we give you glory for who you are, for what you do. Father, for what you make in us, Lord Jesus, and for everything that you desire through us. Father, that you desire to touch the world through us, that you desire to make a move through us, that you desire to do miracles through us. Thank you, Lord God, for everything that you desire to do through us. And we give you glory for it, Lord, and we bless you in it, Father. Father, touch our family and our pastors where they are. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Now, see, I ended just now in that part, something I want to say real, real quick, and I want to bring this to bear before I even speak. I ended that with something that I want to challenge you with today. I was at a church not too long ago in Bogota, Colombia, and I was at this church. It's a church of about 300,000 people, and I was there with a youth group of about 100,000 kids in this youth group. And I was standing on this stage looking at 100,000 young people getting ready to hear the message of the gospel of Christ. I think 1,700 kids got saved that night. It was an amazing night, beautiful, in the power of God, spirit, amazing place. And I noticed they did something. 
something. And then I went out afterwards to eat with them, and they did it again. And I went out the next morning for breakfast, and they did it again. And what they did was every time they blessed their food, if it was physical or spiritual, they blessed their pastors. Every time. And I stopped them for a moment. I said, you know, I heard you do this when you, when you blessed the word. And we were about to eat spiritually. Now, I heard it when we did dinner last night. And then I heard it for breakfast this morning. What, what, everybody, every, it's different people that prayed each time. And so, oh, yeah, we, that's a philosophy we've taken on our church that the blessing trickles down. So if we bless the top continually, there's always going to be blessing flowing down. And I said, What? And they said, you know, we have about 300,000 people in our church. So we figured that if everybody would bless their pastors every time they ate, that it would be a million prayers a day that would go up to the Lord to bless their pastors. And if God is getting bombarded by a million prayers a day, how can he not help but bless our pastors? And if our pastors are blessed, then we're blessed. If our pastors are anointed, we'll be anointed. If our pastors are touched, we'll be touched. If our pastors are increased, we'll be increased. And I said, oh my goodness. <laughs> wow, what a revolutionary basic thought. I pass it on to our youth group, our church. I've watched, I'll, st- I'll sit at a table, Bishop, and as I do, somebody else will sit, it'll be a group that's out to eat, and all of a sudden, every time they bless their food, they end up going, and Father, bless my pastors in Jesus' name. I don't know how many people you have in this church overall when we're done with COVID, a thousand, two thousand, whatever's here in the, in the house normally that, that calls this church home, but can you imagine if 3,000 prayers a day were going up for your pastors? See, Bishop and I come from a place where the pastors didn't come from Baton Rouge where there wasn't only great blessing, but there was a lot of great cursing at the same time. There wasn't always great hills to rise. There was some hell to walk through and some valleys that I as a boy, that you as a young man, that we saw some things that made us question our faith and wonder what was real and what wasn't and where it was going because we saw our pastors not walking in blessing. But can you imagine if, if Quest did that, that every time you blessed your food, can I just make a challenge? Pastor, you mind, you mind if I make a challenge this morning? For the next, for 30 days, how many were willing to, with me to commit for 30 days, every time you bless your food, you're going to bless your pastors? Come on, 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 let me see the hands around the house. God sees every one of them. I want it to burn inside your brain. When you bless your food, it's, it's simple, and it becomes a pattern in life. And this is the thing. When you're blessing somebody, then you submit to somebody. When you submit to, it's hard to rebel against. When you're not doing that, you can receive from. There's a line of blessing that comes all the way down just from the simple step of you blessing. So many, one more time. Every time I bless my food for the next 30 days, I'm I'm just going to take a stab at it and see what God does in the lives of my pastors that trickles down to this church. Huh? It's a good day. It's a good day. Praise the Lord. Now, this word we're jumping into today is about Elijah and Elisha. It's about two of the greatest names that we know in Scripture. If there were trading cards in that day or... There would have been an Elijah trading card and Elisha a hologram. Can you see the hologram? It would ha, ha. It would have had most miracles, uh, most deliverances, all the different things around the, the, the stat, rookie year, everything, most Ahab's killed, whatever the deal. Everything on the line, most Jezebel's rebuked. It would have had something bad because these dudes were blah, 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 bad. They were incredible prophets and people of the Lord. And the Word of God tells us in this first story that we first look at this man named Elijah. And we see Elijah walking out of a scene. He's coming out of a place that's, uh, that God's been having him, using him, preparing him. He's, he's, he's had to give a word to Ahab because of Israel's folly and where they've walked. We didn't really know a, uh, Elijah from before. All of a sudden, Elijah's on the scene. All of a sudden, there was a suddenly that God caused about that somebody rose up and he was doing something with Elijah in the house of Israel. And as he's ministering in that way, he speaks to Ahab until there's no rain going to fall until until you turn around. 
All of a sudden he goes and he hides by the brook Cherith. And the word of God tells us that the ravens feed him. He sits there for a season and a time. And then God calls him out to go confront him. And he goes back and he, why do you halt between two opinions? If, if God be God, then follow him. And we all know the story that comes about to where the, the, they, they do their sacrifices on either side. And God responds and licks up Elijah's sacrifice. And we see this great move of God. And we think all this greatness is what God was supposed to, what Elijah was called to. Why wow, he was called to have this great miracle. All these different things. And then we see as soon as that's done, Elijah runs. A lot of times after your greatest victories, you'll have some of your greatest defeats. There's a letdown that happens. There's a, a lull. There's, there's a... And we see him run from Jezebel, and God feeds him with the angels. They, they make cakes for him in the fire, and then they feed him again, and then he goes some more, and he goes into the mountain. And all the different stuff that he sees, he, he sees the, the fire come by, and he, he, he sees the earthquake, and, and he sees the wind blow. That's the, you know, earth, wind, and fire wasn't created back in the, back in the 70s. <laughs> It was created by Jesus Christ, by God. The Father created the first earth, wind, and fire. It was a revival that happened in Elijah's heart on Mount Horeb. And the Word of God says that from that spot, he gives him his mission. Now, see, we think that Elijah was just supposed to do this great thing, that that's what he said to him. So many times in our life, we think that God set us for some great, stupendous event. When really, God's just trying to get us through that event so that he can cause us to anoint what he's wanting to bless and raise up for the people. So many times we focus on some stupendous miracle or happening when really it's who God's calling you to anoint, to bless, to pour into, to love on, to see transformed in their life is what God's really wanting to do. This is just in the way of you being able to do that freely or this is supposed to open the door for them. The miracle that you got to cause is supposed to open the door for them to run freely, but the real goal is to anoint them. So God asks Elijah, he says, what are you doing here after he hears the still small voice? And he says, I'm jealous of you, Lord God. I'm jealous of you. God almost doesn't even really answer him in the context of that. He just says, I've called you to do this. And he tells him, kings to anoint. And then this young man named Elisha that he's supposed to send him to. Now, so I need you to hear this. God is generational. God just doesn't stop at one spot. There's not just Rick Hawkins, but there's Dustin Hawkins. If you've seen the ministry world, and I can't wait to see when River walks in the anointing that he's supposed to walk in, in the flow that's supposed to be. Because God is generational. He does a generational thing. I stand here this morning, but... Two, three weeks ago, my daughter was here speaking from this pulpit to your young people. So it's, it's a generational thing that he does. It's what he brings about. He doesn't just have one man that he uses, and then, okay, the show's over. God's trying to do something that, 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 that sustains. It, it goes from generation to generation. It passes on. My mama was, was in the church, and she, she was a person that would always interpret the message in tongues when I was a little boy. She was there. She walked in the power and the authority of God, but it didn't end with my mama. It doesn't end with you today. It's supposed to pass to your young people. It's why we did youth service the other night. It's why we're here with our children with us. It's why we talk to generations, not just to one. And the Word of God says that Elijah would go forward and he would find Elisha in the field. Now, when he finds him in the field, the Word of God tells us that he just walks by him. And as he walks by him, he lays his mantle over his shoulders. And then he keeps going. His cloak, it would have been a, it would have been someone, possibly something accustomed or, or, or near to his prayer shower or what would have been over that he would have covered himself in the storm. He would have maybe covered himself in prayer. It represented so much of, of who he was, the calling that he walked in, the gifting that he had, everything that was there. And the Word of God says that he walked by Elisha. It wasn't no great stupendous. And he stopped and said some great massive set of words. He just laid his mantle over him he just laid the mantle of what i call opportunity over his shoulders see i 
I know that I know Bishop's anointed. I've heard him preach. I, I don't know a better preacher than Rick Hawkins. And I've heard a lot of preachers in my life. I don't know a better preacher than Rick Hawkins. I know he's anointed. But I know he's not set him in a room that he's the only one anointed to do what he's anointed to do. I know he's set him in a room of other people that are ready to be anointed to walk into place that they're set for. They're ready to find their calling. They're ready to find their moving. Because the church doesn't happen on one man. One man might speak to the church, but the church rises up as many people to bless the community, to bless what's around them, to minister the word of God. One man can't touch it all, but one man can touch you, and you can touch them all. And so he pours the mantle over on, over on Elisha's shoulders. But he didn't put it on everybody's shoulders. It wasn't everybody that day that he just walked up and found. There was a certain one that God had called. There was a certain one that was set. And the word of God says he found him like this. Because there's two mantles I want to talk to you today. There's a mantle of opportunity and there's a mantle of power. And if you don't take the opportunity, you'll never walk in the power. But first you have to set yourself up for the opportunity. And the opportunity just doesn't happen if you're lazy sitting on your butt watching, watching whatever's on the TV and eating bonbons and not getting into what you're supposed to get into. The Word of God says that Elisha was a couple things. Elisha was already in the field working. Elijah wasn't on his butt. He was in the field working. He wasn't, being, he wasn't asking somebody to do it. He was doing it. It's time for us to get up from where we are and start to minister to our household. I don't need to ask Bishop to go minister to my household. I need to minister to my household. I need to minister to my wife. I need to minister to my children. Youth ministry starts in your home today. It starts when you love your children and your children are fortified with hope and grace and love and strength and they know who they are in Jesus' name. He was already in the field plowing. He was already doing the work. Man, golly. There's so many people that want it. But there's not as many that want to put in what it takes to get it. I don't care if you're talking about marriage, talking about ministry, talking about raising your family, talking about raising your children, what you're going to do to see them go where they go, do what they do. Look, I've got an amazing daughter sitting here on the front row. I've got, I've got another daughter that's living in Cape Town, South Africa right now. She's about to go to Louisiana State University and be in political science. And you're going to see her as a congresswoman someday, somewhere around here, probably for Louisiana, Louisiana or Texas, Bishop. And I have, I've had People say, man, golly, your daughters, they've just done so good. They've come up so well. These things have happened. Do you think that happened by accident? That happened because they were poured into. It happens because they were loved on. It happened because ministry was never more important than them. Bishop, my children told me something not too long ago. We were going somewhere, and, and I think it was Katie that spoke up, and then Susie verified it. Katie spoke up, and she said, Dad, she said, I'm so glad I'm a PK. Wow. And Susie goes, yeah, Dad, I'm glad I was a PK. Yeah. You know what I mean, Crystal? That, not everybody says that. Because so many times, the, the, the extra scrutiny that comes on and the looking and all the pressure, and then you watch what your family goes through and everything, the pain that can be there is not an enjoyable deal all the time. And I watch so many children, pastor, hate that they were PKs. But my babies love this. I love it. We were I never put it in. I need you to hear me. If you're going to get, some, to get to the anointing that God's caused you to do, there's a work that it takes to be in that process. It, it, a, a great marriage just, just doesn't fall out of bed every morning. There's a working in the marriage where, that where you care for them and they care for you. It's not, hey, it's not 50-50. It's 100-100. 
It's the same thing when you walk in a ministry and you minister. I've seen so many people that, that they do great ministry, but, but they don't necessarily bring the people into great ministry. I can preach a great sermon, hi, and then go, well, you just didn't receive it. Or I can be in a way that I'm not just ministering a great sermon, but I'm trying to see you come into the place of understanding and taking it and receiving. That's pastoring. See, there's a work he was doing. Number two, he had an organization. The Word of God says he was with his 12 yoke of oxen, and he was with the last one, the 12. He didn't just throw things off to be, to be whatever it is. He, he put an organization to it. He said, this is a structure that I'm going to walk in. It's something I'm going to do. Like it's, I think it's so important. What's the class you're teaching next week? Motivational gifts. Your motivational gifts. Do you hear me? You're about to be equipped next week. There's got to be a structure that's laid in the middle of who you are if you're ever going to fulfill the things that God's got you set to do. And you don't set the structure for what's that. You set the structure for what's here. He wasn't setting the structure to be the prophet for the nations. He wasn't looking off there. He was taking care of what was at home right now. He had to plow the field. And the best way to plow the field is this. You take care of home first. You get Jerusalem. Then you'll have Judea. Then you get Samaria. Then you get the uttermost part. This takes. He walks by and he lays his mantle on one that's already working. He's got a structure to what he's doing. There's a plan. See, God gives opportunity to people that are ready for the opportunity. So when you, why would pastor call you and anoint you to lead this certain ministry if you're not already participating in doing that thing? Why would he lay a mantle on you to lead this if you ain't leading your own family? And let me delineate a little bit here. Let me delineate a little bit here. A leader is somebody who leads people. I see so many places that we we, we, we everything a leader. If you fold a bulletin in the back, you're a servant. But if you're ready to be a leader, then you're leading people. You're loving people into a place. You're pouring into people. You're seeing them come into a spot. You're pouring into them in such a way that it's making a difference in their life. You've got to be ready to lead something. You start with your family. Then he had an organization. And lastly, he had honor. What did you say not too long ago, Bishop? Honor is a currency of heaven, I believe. I saw you post. Currency of the kingdom. What did he do? All of a sudden, he has Elijah, the man of God, steps by to lay the mantle over his shoulders. And when he does, he didn't say, oh, I'm out of here. I'll see y'all. i got a great opportunity now. I can run everything that's been faithful to me. I don't have to worry about being faithful to because the man done anointed me. And he, the man, is making me the man. So here I go. He said, no. Please let me go back and kiss my father and my mother. Let me bless them and honor them. Man, honor comes. Honor brings great things. And because he had those spots in his life, a mantle's laid on his shoulders. God's ready to use some people in this house. He's ready to raise you up alongside under pastor and what he does and where he's rolling. But there will be that he's not got to make you where I told the, I told a gentleman this not too long ago. He, he, he worked for me at a, at, a, at a certain church I was at, and I had to chase him for everything. Chase him for everything. I had to make him do stuff. I had to get on him. And finally, about a year into it, I think he saw the hand right in the wall. He said, he said you know, Pastor, I'm ready, to be your, I'm ready to be your Timothy. And I just looked up at him, and I said, no. I just went back to working. And he said, What? You're refusing me to be your Timothy? And I said, I said yeah, because Paul never chased Timothy, son. I said, Timothy was everywhere Paul showed up, even when it was prison. He brought him parchments and carried for him. Paul tripped over Timothy. You want to be used in the kingdom? Then get so in his way, he can't help but see you. 
make him trip over you. Make it where he can't take a step without you. That it bugs the fire. I got to give you a job just to get you out of my way. <laughs> he had these things because he had these things. The mantle was laid on him. That mantle means something. That mantle had his blessing. That mantle had authority. That mantle said he spoke for him. See, I get to stand here this morning only because before I walked up on the stage, Bishop Hawkins laid his mantle over me and said, now go speak. I'm not speaking on my authority this morning. I'm speaking under his authority this morning. Because I'm submitted to that, I get to stand here. Well, God says he laid his mantle on him and he walked on. Boom, we walk through years. Years go by. And all of a sudden we jump into our second story. As we jump into our second story, it's because it, things don't just happen overnight. It's not just overnight that all of a sudden one day you're, 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 you're greeting in the back and the next day you're speaking at the pulpit. One day you're doing this and then all of a sudden the next day you're, 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 you're running and leading revivals. There's a process God raises on that spot. The, the question is how early in the process are you going to get in? Are you going to waste all this time before you get in and then, then try, to pull, uh, try to pull a triple off late in the game? See, if you're base hitting, you get there. But everybody wants to hit a home run. Right. And they want to do it all of a sudden at the last minute. When God's saying, no, let the thing build in you. See, you'll never have the, the mantle of power unless you've taken the mantle of opportunity right. Wow. It just doesn't happen. It's just not this easy thing that just rolls through and all of a sudden you're trusted with God's power. You know, most of the time in the word of God, Elijah, Elisha, even though he has more major miracles than Elijah, most of the time he's known as the one who poured water on the hands of Elijah. He was known as the servant and the servant came forward to be great. And the word of God says that in the final day, as Elijah was about to be taken up, the Word of God says that they were at first they started at a place called Gilgal. Now, Gilgal represents your beginnings. Because, see, once you've walked this long enough in the place of the mantle of opportunity, there's a time that God's got planned for you to step up into some spots that become the mantle of power over your life that God wants to use and do through the middle of you. And there came a day. Everybody say there came a day. That Elijah was being taken away. There came a day and they started at a place called Gilgal. Now Gilgal is the first place that the children of Israel crossed the Jordan coming into the, into the promised land. The first place, Gilgal. It means again and again. To start over. To begin again. And Elijah looks at Elisha and he says... Okay, now I know you've walked with me all these years. I know you've taken the opportunity, but this is another whole other deal. This is a place where God's about to use you. Look, look, I know you've been with me all this time, but you can stay right here if you want to. You can stay at your beginnings if you want to. You can keep eating milk all your life if you want to. Or you can start to take some meat on. You can start to dive into something deeper. You can start to refine who you are. You can stop playing with certain things in certain sense in certain places in your life and move on to another place because you're past your beginnings. There's certain things you can stop. And Elisha looks at him and says, looks at him and says, as long as I live and as long as you live, I'm with you. I'm following. I'm not staying at my beginnings. And they go on to the next place. And the next place is a place called Bethel. Now Bethel, meaning the house of God, was also at that time the main place for Baal worship. At that point in time in society, a Baal calf was erected there, the main place of worship there. And he walks him through. And as it's typified in me, as I was, God spoke to me on it in this place, he brought him by a place that was full of materialism and Baal worship and said, if you want to, you can either stay here or you can go with me. 
You can stay to, God, I want what I want and what I can get and what I have and what I'm looking for and what builds me and what makes me. And you can stay right there if you want to, but you'll never find the mantle that comes off of an Elijah. What are we willing to trade for him? What are we willing to trade for his power? What are we willing to trade for his presence? And he looks at me and says, no. He says, as long as you live, as long as I live, I'm not staying here. I'm following you. The word of God says he went on to the next spot. And the next town that went on was Jericho. Now Jericho, this is the same Jericho that had been destroyed. Rock off of rock, totally torn down, that God had placed a curse on and said, Cursed be any man who rebuilds this city. A place of rebellion. And he brings it back because it's been rebuilt. It's rebuilt and he brings them through Jericho. He says, you know what? You can stay here if you want to. See, if we're ever going to walk in the authority and the power of God, we've got to get past the place that we can ever say the words no and Lord in the same sentence. That we just can't say no Lord anymore. Just can't be. Can't say no Lord. Well, he's going to ask you to do stupid things, crazy things, nuts. He's going to ask you sometimes to give every penny in your pocket. He's going to ask you sometimes to love people that nobody else loves. He's going to ask you to reach in. He's going to ask you to connect with people that are dirty, reach in places that are filthy. He's going to ask you to go places nobody else wants to. He's going to ask you to go dangerous places. He might ask you to send your daughter to South Africa when she's a senior to live out her senior year. What's God going to ask you to do? And we've got to be at the spot that we can never say, no, Lord. I remember Bishop, I remember a revival I was doing, Kali Bishop, this was 20 years ago. I was at a church in North Carolina, PH church, like we were talking earlier, a large PH church. As I was there speaking, beautiful house, gorgeous octagon, pew seating, beautiful carpet. I was speaking there, and now I got through speaking. There was a lady that was in the congregation that used to be connected to me at another church, and her daughter had died. Gorgeously dressed lady, beautifully accustomed, very, very wealthy woman. And she walked forward at the end of the, I don't know what I preached, but she walked forward, and she was the third person that stood right there at the altar. And I went down, and I prayed with a whole line, everybody on the altar. And I went back and sat down, and when I sat down, she was still standing there, just quiet not said a word. Her daughter had passed away a year ago and she stood there at the altar and as I sat there, the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to go anoint her. So I picked up the bottle and I went up to anoint her. I did, you know, the regular pastor thing. I did the flip. You know, we got that little turn we do. Turn. Get you a little dab do you? little dab do you? And as we went for the little dab, the God spoke to me and said, no, son. I said, the whole bottle. And I said, <gasps> now she's hair is done beautifully, gorgeous silk blouse, pearls, sitting gorgeous pearls, and I'm sure they were real. Uh, silk suit all the way down to the floor, beautiful carpet, and the pastor standing right behind me as I'm about to anoint one of his most wealthy members. And I'm like, <sighs> And then God said, said again, boy, talk to me like that, boy. <laughs> I said, the whole bottle. Okay. <laughs> See, I'm Cajun. I'm just stupid enough to believe him. <laughs> Come on, you know what I mean? See, at LSU, at LSU, we could be losing 50 to nothing, and we still standing over the side of the stands going, we're number one, you suck. <laughs> we don't care. <laughs> It just don't matter what the score is. <laughs> There's still a minute left in the game. <laughs> I'm not standing in front of this woman. And I'm a, I just believe him. Anybody believe him still? And I said, okay, God. Goom, 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 goom. And it was gooping. Goom, 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 goom. 
And I watched it. It plaited her hair down. It runs down over her makeup. It drags that with it. It goes on top of those beautiful pearls. It covers this silk blouse. Goes all the way down. Puddles on the floor. And I just goop, 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 goop. And then I finished. I said, okay, God. And I walked back and I sat down. Now the pastor is still standing there. I'm sitting there going, well, there goes that offered check for the night. <laughs> That's going to clean the carpets or something like that. The pastor slowly, pastor, he turned around slowly, walked back, just dead faced. <sighs> sat down beside me. And I sat there for two, three minutes. Nothing happens. Two, three minutes. I'm sitting there going, all right, God, it's your turn. <laughs> it's all you got. I don't know what's happening, but this is all you now. I did it. Time for you to done it. Three minutes into it, the whole church is like. <laughs> about three minutes into it, all of a sudden she lets us this blood curdling scream. Wow. Nobody's around her to catch her. Nobody wanted to be near the scene, so there were no catchers around. <laughs> Nobody wanted to be blamed. All of a sudden she lets out this blood curdling scream, throws her hands in the air, and like a redwood in the forest, boom, hits the ground. Praying in tongues, crying, power got all over her. Wow. And I sat there with <laughs> afterwards she came up to me and she said pastor she said the day my daughter died I became angry with God and I haven't talked to him since she said but when that oil poured over me I felt like the Holy Spirit was bathing me from head to toe and by the time it soaked in Every anger, every bitterness was gone. She said, thank you for pouring that whole bottle. See, God's going to ask you to do things you don't know to do. But he knows what's going to happen. We can never be at a spot to where we say, or we, or we, we, whatever it is, that we don't go. And then the last spot he looked at him and he said, he said, I'm going to Jordan. You can stay here. He said, no, no, no. I'll go through the place of dying. I'll go through dying to myself, dying to my dreams, dying to what I wanted, dying to everything else that came along in me. I'll go to that. And I'll stay with you. My wife left me 11 years ago. And I had these two beautiful daughters. And had this great ministry career in front of me, Brother Rick. I was supposed to be in South Africa preaching at the World Cup and doing youth pastor roundtables. I'd done 60 around the world. It was set. Everything was good to go. And I looked at it, and I saw my daughters in a place of peril. And God gave me a choice. Do I want what I want, or do I want to die to myself? My daughters sit where they sit. 8,000 miles away, 20 feet away, with a joy in their heart, loving being PKs, because I died to my will. And I went over, he went over on the dry ground and he asked, he said, what do you want? He said, what do you want? And he said, I want a double portion. He said, you've asked a hard thing. See, it's hard to get to that spot. It's not a cheap thing. I was speaking, Pastor, for um, John and Carol Arnott at, at the airport church in Toronto years ago. Probably 10,000 people in the room. Gord amazing day. And I had this young man come down, and he stood right in front of me at the altar. And I was praying for people going down. And all these people, he standing there. He just looks at me and goes, um, I would like a, uh, a double portion of your spirit, please. And just did this. And I just looked at him and I said, like, huh? And he's got his eyes closed and he opens up and goes, um, please, um, if you, anytime you're ready, if you just pray a double portion of what's on you to be on me, I'm ready. And I just kind of sat back and waited on him to open up his eyes again. And he goes, well, are you going to pray? Are you, are you just going to go ahead and give it? I need the double portion. If you just, are you going to pray? And I said, no, I'm not going to pray. 
He said, well, why not? I said, because I don't know if you can take a double portion of what's on my life. I don't know if you're going to stay faithful for God through this spot and that spot and this ministry and that ministry and this thing and that thing. I don't know where you are. I don't know who you serve. I don't know what man of God you submitted to. I don't know that you've ever been in the field plowing. I don't know that you're organized. I don't know that you honored your father and mother. I don't know that you refused Gilgal. I don't know that you refused Bethel. I don't know that you refused Jericho. I don't know that you crossed the Jordan. I don't know anything from you. And the anointing that's on my life is not so cheap that I can just throw it at you. It's not just something to give away. So get in behind somebody. Submit to a man of God. Pour yourself out. Follow him with all you've got. And one day maybe he'll get it. This is no cheap thing. If I listen to Pastor Rick's podcast long enough, maybe I'll get it. This is no little deal that I just throw it at you. How cheap do you think this is? Do you know the hell that I came through to get this? Do you know that seven of the nine pastors that I sat under in my ministry in life not only had moral failures of massive extent, but left the ministry in front of me? I was an 18-year-old boy in the back of Swaggart's church today. That everything, everybody, you, most of y'all probably know what happened there. I, so I had to stay. I watched hell break loose, Pastor. I had people tell me, come on, we going down the street. We going down the street to the Holiday Inn. I said, well, well, why, what are you going down the street to the Holiday Inn for? He said, well, because this, he messed up, and this is what happened. I said, did God tell you when he messes up for you to go down the street to the Holiday Inn? Or are you just running because there's a knock in the, there's a noise in the dark that you're scared of, and you can't listen to God good enough to find out on your own and see what you're supposed to do? Is that what you're doing? I was 17. I said, no, I'm not going with y'all down to the Holiday Inn and splitting my church wide open. We're going to find God's face, and we're going to seek him for what he's supposed to do right here. I was set here, and if God wanted me to leave when there was a problem, he'd have said, hey, boy, because he talks to me like that. Hey, boy, leave when there's a problem. But it happened, and I didn't leave. I just stayed. And I watched what God would establish for my life off of that what he would make and he looks at me he says these words he said if you'll watch me when I'm taken up if you'll see me I'm running out of time so I gotta run but I want you to hear this if you'll see me when I'm taken up hey hey you're um you're 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 Ray is this boy right yes, sir. how old are you 17 17 you're pretty quick ain't you yes sir you sure you're pretty fast. Can you keep up with me, you think? Oh, wow, look at that look on that face. So you think you can keep up with me? Well, what are you just doing is sitting down, boy? What are you talking about? See, where you at? Where you at? Can you keep up with me? I don't know if you can. I don't know if you can do this. I don't, I really don't. Where you at? Stay with him, man. Good teaching. Good teaching. Good. Good. Wow. I got you. I wish I was younger preaching this. <laughs> Need you to hear me on this. You think you can get a double portion of his spirit? You know where he runs to? You know how he runs? You know what he does? You know how he prays? You know the devils he fights? You know the demons get in his path? You know the things that deal and come against him? 
Oh, I hope I don't die right here. <laughs> Only one allowed to give me mouth to mouth is you, baby. <laughs> I love you, Bishop. <laughs> I need you to hear me on this. He said, if you watch me when I'm taken up, if you've seen everything I do, if you've seen how I pray, if you've seen how I anoint, if you've seen how I fight, if you've seen how I run, if you've done everything, if you've watched me, you believe like I believe, you love your wife like I love my wife, you love your kids like I love my kids, you go where I go, you give like I give. Anybody here ready to run? Come on. Anybody here ready to run with Bishop? Anybody ready? Because plain and simple, on this deal, he said, if you see me when I'm taking up, Pastor Hagee told me one thing, and I'll close it this. So, boy, you're going to have a hard time. One thing in life, satisfying people to keep up with you. You weren't giving just in anybody. God brought a man of God in this scene. It's time to you run with him. Not like you run. If you want the anointing that's on that man and that family, it's time for you to run with him like he runs. He said, if you see me, if everything I'm doing, yeah, yeah. Shaka. 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 Yeah. If you see me when I'm taken up, if everything you followed it, then the double portion comes to you. Thank you. Because all of your life already, with all of my life that you've learned, brings a double portion over you. Hear me. We make the double portion of crazy spiritual use, but it's a mantle of power. Because the mantle fell off of him. He went and picked the mantle up, and he stroked the water, and when he smote it, the Word of God says it parted just like it did for Elijah. You want the same evidence of the power of God in your life like you've seen your pastor? You want the same? You want to see God do the same? You've got to be watching when you take it up. You've got to refuse your beginnings. You've got to refuse Bethel. It's not something that's going to keep you away from you. You've got to never say no, Lord. You've got to die to what you want. And you've got to watch I want to see. I want the anointing. I want your hand laid on me. I want to know what you say. I want to walk with you. I want this. Yes, Lord. And when that's real, when it's not just playing church to be at church, but when that's it, the Word of God says the mantle falls. And all you have to do is pick it up and roll. I really believe this. It was, I, I've, 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 I spoke this message in preparation somewhere. That I just wanted, I wanted to get through it. I really believe at that point in this one that God wanted me to say here in this room that there's two mantles that are in front of you right now as you're going forward as a church. See, we get to reset because of COVID. COVID let us reset. Reset. Some people that just were window shopping here a year and a half ago or window shopping somewhere else anymore. Some people that didn't know how good he was found it because they got to see it online. People have moved in and moved out. There's a reset. 
You know, in that reset, there's two mantles in front of you. One is the mantle of opportunity. The basic blessings and giftings that you've been given, you serve in and you walk in those things and you do the basic gifting that's on your life. In high school, pastor, bishop, I've gotten, I've, I'm, God's blessed me. 60 countries around the world I got to minister in. All over the world, God's done great things for me. I never went to Bible college. I never did. I barely finished high school. Okay, I, I, in high school, you know what I was voted? I was voted most friendly. I was voted most friendly. I was the guy all the girls wanted to talk to about their boyfriends. <laughs> they didn't want to talk to me about being a boyfriend. They wanted to talk to me about their boyfriend. I wish he was like you. I'm like me. Hello, I'm like me. Date me. <laughs> Off of just that little being faithful and being friendly. I didn't have no other thing. God anointed in opportunity and then anointed in power. And I get to stand in front of you today. Today, he's ready to anoint you. He's ready for this church to take him. What's the class you're doing, Pastor? Your motivational gifts. Are you ready to be anointed in them? If you're ready to be anointed, to walk in your motivational gifts, I want you to stand where you are. Come on. If that's you, stand. The class starts this week. It starts this Sunday. It starts right now. raise your hand around the room just raise it I've gone over past and I'm sorry but that boy was chasing me I couldn't get away from him because that's an amazing servant coming up right there Josh has been such a faithful servant hasn't he Josh is like the epitome of an Elisha following an Elijah the epitome he served you in good times and bad, when you were popular and when you were not. If it was preaching a word or, or passing the hot sauce and cooking crawfish, he served. And because of that, he walks here in authority, doesn't he? Do you hear what I'm saying? Look, I really believe this. I, when I came here, I said, God, you got a word. I feel you had a word. It's time for everybody in this room to gain a mantle of your opportunity. And then to start working towards, walking towards the mantle of authority that will be on your life. Father, I thank you for every person in this house. God, everyone that raises their hands, identifying with this. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I speak right now over them blessings. That, Father, they wouldn't get just stuck, Father, in the basics of their opportunities, God. That they wouldn't see those as special. Father, Elisha was called while he was doing the basic service. While he was doing what he knew, the first mantle hit him. To give him opportunities to be in the ministry. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that opportunities to serve would overflow every person in this room according to their natural ability. God, that bakers would start baking. That welders would start welding. That teachers would start teaching. That the musicians would start musicianing. Father, in the name of Jesus, that the natural mantle would be on them. And that they would flow to a mantle of authority over their lives. That this church might be able to follow their bishop, their pastor, Father, in the same power that he walked in all the days of their life to transform not just these walls, but everything outside of them. And we thank you for it, Lord. And we bless you for it, Father, in Jesus' name.